Welcome back, everybody. Today, we're going to be talking about dry fasting stress, managing viral reactivations for long COVID and other diseases. Welcome to the Dry Fasting Club and the beautiful world of dry fasting. I'm Yannick Wolf, and I hope to be able to guide you on your dry fasting journey. The following information is not medical advice, so please treat it as strictly informational. The Dry Fasting Club was started with the goal of bringing dry fasting to everyone bringing science and experimentation to something that has long been considered strictly spiritual, the Dry Fasting Club is a place where new and experienced fasters can get accessible information. Dry fasting is the most powerful form of fasting, but with great power comes great responsibility, and dry fasting safely should always be your number one goal. Paying for a subscription on the site helps out by giving you access to some controversial articles that are hidden from search engines and gets you a quick one-on-one -on -one chat with me to discuss all things dry fasting and maybe even more. I highly recommend joining the Dry Fasting Club Discord group, which is free, where you can meet other dry fasters from all walks of life and with different point of views. The one thing everyone can agree on, dry fasting is the best when done properly. Now let's get to today's discussion. Uh, so I wrote this article fairly recently, although I've been thinking about this concept for a very long time. You'll notice in the Scorch protocols, uh, I do make references to viral reactivations. I have some L-lysine, some ivermectin in those protocols specifically for that reason. There's a lot of other theories there, and I've been on this train of thought for a long time, but it's taken me quite some time to write up a little article about it. So hopefully this is a bit of a light bulb moment for a lot of you. Uh, in this discussion today, we'll talk about viral reactivation and stressors, something that everyone may be prone to, but especially relevant to anyone looking to heal from uh, any form of advanced illness, something like lupus, Lyme's, uh, long COVID, Babesia, all of these uh, illnesses, all these autoimmune diseases that doctors have given up on have a root in viral reactivation. So a weakened immune system may not keep latent viruses in check, leading to their reactivation. So today we're going to talk about all of those stressors uh, and basically talk about how you can how can you can push forward in your fight with these illnesses instead of kind of staying stuck where you're pushing forward, but the disease is constantly pulling you back in a kind of tug of war situation. So the goal is to dial in the healing, uh, push back and manage the stressors so that we are moving forward at a consistent pace. Viral reservoirs and reactivations. So these viruses that we talk about that plague us, uh, they reside everywhere, but the scariest places where they can lurk is in our spinal fluid, our neurons, and even our bone marrow. These three places are critical parts of our normal functioning. We've got our brain, our whole nervous system, and our skeletal system. We tend to think about our issues being in the blood, skin, and organs. That's why we have blood tests, why we look at our skin, we look at our rashes, our eyes, and our health. 
So when something gets to the deeper critical systems, our bodies don't have as many mechanisms to deal with it. It's why we've developed protections like our body has its stomach acid to stop food, uh, pathogens coming in through food. We have our skin pH. We have a bunch of protection layers, including anti antibodies in the blood and so much more. But once something gets in deeper and embeds itself maybe in our cerebrospinal fluid, maybe our neurons, we often can't really do much about it. Think about the herpes virus, for example. A huge part of the world uh, is infected. Numbers ranging up to 90% of the world is a carrier, but only a small percent of people actually display the symptom. This is something similar to viruses like Epstein-Barr, a bunch of different herpes viruses, the cytomegalovirus, and why not long COVID and potentially other things like Lyme's disease, bacterial viral diseases just deep in our bodies, just lying there in wait. Have you ever thought about people going outside maybe during winter right after a sweaty sports session? They always seem to catch a cold. Were they exposed to someone sick? Not always. This means that a viral reactivation may be occurring in the body. The stress was enough that it weakened the immune cell, the, I view them as cell guards in a prison, it weakened that system so much that the virus was able to break free. Long COVID and other autoimmune issues. When you get a viral reactivation for long COVID, you're in something called a relapse. And boy does it suck. It's more than just sucky, the relapse most likely causes additional damage. I've seen it over and over and even experienced it a few times, rather many times in the beginning of the journey. A relapse, even if controlled after a few days, can cause damage. This damage can be in the form of a higher viral load throughout the body, so it's growing in numbers, uh, and it can include the viral load increasing in places like our neurons, cerebrospinal fluid, and other places. Think about viral replication, kind of like in the matrix with the agents just replicating everywhere. Uh, you can see, start to see things like blood clots all over. If it's a serious relapse, and I think if you're suffering from these illnesses, you know what I'm talking about. A really serious relapse, relapse can bring back a lot of symptoms. And Specifically with long COVID, you can start seeing things like exacerbated Raynaud's syndrome. So your extremities get colder faster. Uh, you lose blood flow, especially in cold temperatures. Brain fog increases, minerals are depleted, and suddenly you're waking up more often and having a harder time falling asleep. Telltale signs include having to take melatonin and other supplements to fall asleep. If it gets really bad, you suddenly realize that you need to keep upping your melatonin dose, your magnesium glycinate and L-theanine, and even then you can jolt awake somewhere around 3 a.m. without being able to fall back asleep. This is very common. You might even experience something like shortness of breath when you're eating specific foods, exercise intolerance, and sometimes it just feels like you got sick all over again. It can be such a nightmare, especially when you keep testing positive for an illness and you go on Reddit and you type in, can you catch COVID every two weeks? Yeah, that's a nightmare. 
the immune system is rebuilding. So a critical piece of information that I wish everyone knew. During your refeed, especially if you've done three days or more, your immune system gets a rebirth. This is a beautiful thing, right? Yes and no. What people fail to realize is that these few days are vital to your healing. You cannot overstress your body during this special time. Imagine a prison running with the absolute minimal amount of prison guards. You lose one or two of them and the whole thing collapses. This is our immune system. That's why I stress in every Scorch protocol on how important it is to stay warm on the first days of the refeed. You will feel colder. Stop the cold plunges. Stop the strenuous exercise. Stop all the stresses. Wear something warm, but don't overheat either. Think of the Goldilocks principle. Not too hot, not too cold. Way too many times I see people relapsing during the refeed and going backwards instead of forward. Type of stresses. We're going to discuss different stresses. There are probably a few more that I have missed, but I believe that I'm covering the most important ones. You need to be aware of all the types of stresses so that you can combat them effectively. Your health depends on it. There's a reason protocols are designed a specific way and a reason why you can't just make stuff up and do what you want. Most of these stresses need to be managed during the refeed. However, there are situations where you should be careful during the first day or two of a dry fast. Those are very important periods during the refeed, that day one and two. It's a very special time. The first days of a dry fast are similar to a water fast. So now we're going to the beginning of a dry fast. When you started, let's say the first 72 hours. They're very closely similar to a water fast. You're not yet in that dehydrated extreme ketosis phase. You're still vulnerable during these days. It's only when you enter that deep ketosis and autophagy that you enter a sort of safe zone. During the safe period, you can work out smartly and expose yourself to stresses without as much risk. So get through the first few days and then you can start testing your nervous system by pushing some limits. Uh, and then a lot of min-maxing and optimization goes into this window. Just remember that when you're coming out of a dry fast, you want to stop strenuous exercise at least 24 hours in advance because you know how exercise works. It strains your body for a certain time afterwards as well. Your muscles are sore. You want to wean off of it early while you're still in the safe zone. Cold plunges, sauna, and certain other stressors are fine up to close to the end of the dry fast. But especially strenuous exercise, remember to dial it back down earlier. Heat stress. The first type of stress that you need to watch out for when refeeding after a dry fast is heat stress. When cells are exposed to elevated temperatures, they produce heat shock proteins. You've probably heard of these if you know anything about saunas. These proteins play a crucial role in protecting cells and aiding in their recovery from stress. However, some studies suggest that certain viral proteins can mimic or interact with host HSPs potentially aiding in viral reactivation or replication. So this is why I talk about heat stress a lot and why I say that I've seen a lot of relapses from heat, even though there are people 
who have long COVID or other diseases who swear by the sauna helping them, you have to realize that all stressors need to be managed when you're dealing with these illnesses. Heat stress, like other physical stressors, can lead to the release of stress hormones like cortisol. And elevated cortisol suppresses certain immune functions, potentially creating an environment where latent viruses might reactivate even more. Uh, so HSV, herpes simplex virus, Epstein-Barr, and other latent viruses have all been linked to reactivation with heat stress and UV stress. What is UV? Sunlight, usually. This means you need to watch out when it comes to sunburn, obviously. I'm not a big fan of sunscreen uh, and all of its chemicals, so when you are trying to manage sunlight, because no matter what, it is very beneficial to us and we want to be in the sun, we also have to manage this stressor. So use nature's sunscreen, shade and extra layers of clothing when necessary. Cold stress. That's an, our next type of stress. One that I really love, and if you are a dry faster, you fall in love with cold plunges the deeper you get into that fast. Yes, I know it's a soft dry fast, but they're really something else. Uh, so the second type of stress you do have to watch out for is cold stress. Not really on the dry fast. Remember, we're kind of in our safe period there, but it's more so after, during the refeed, and maybe even during the first days of a dry fast. So there isn't as much evidence for viral reactivation with cold stress, but like all stress, it can affect the immune system. So during the rebuilding phase, it can have just as much impact as heat stress. In fact, it's highly advised to stay warmer rather than colder when you exit a dry fast. Imagine a baby being born. When you're reborn on those first few days when you have your first calories and a lot of people relapse during that time the body is extra sensitive so keep it warmer okay exercise stress after intense and prolonged exercise there's a temporary period often referred as the open window of impaired immune function during this period, which can last from a few hours to several days, the body might be more susceptible to infections. And theoretically, if it's susceptible to infections, it's susceptible to the reactivation of latent viruses. So this temporary immune suppression after exercise is believed to result in several factors, including hormonal responses to exercises, such as increased cortisol, again, Redistribution of immune cells to other parts of the body. So you're exercising, you're getting sore, immune cells are going everywhere. They're not really concentrated in the places it needs to be. Think prison. We need those guards <laughs> at the prison. And a decrease in the concentration of some immune system components in the blood. So I know that's a little bit vague, but here we talk about the IgA and IgG, which are antibodies in the blood that are our body's first lines of defense. We have them circulating in the blood at all times. And studies have shown that strenuous exercise actually lowers those levels in the blood. Why? We don't exactly know, but just approaching it logically, if you are putting your body through intense stress, it probably uses up the immune system trying to combat that stress and the downstream effects. And so this correlates very strongly to the pattern of long COVID and other post-viral diseases affecting 
athletes and other people who were in high stress environments could be jobs, work, just periods of high stress. And these type A personalities get affected really badly with long COVID. Another stress is ketosis to the Krebs cycle stress. So transitioning from a state of ketosis back to glycolysis where the body primarily uses glucose can be stressful for the body. And this is, I hope, hopefully you're realizing right away that this is that moment where we break the dry fast. So especially if we abruptly break it after an extended period of fasting. So dry fasting is such a powerful ketosis inducer that the shift from a dry fast back to eating calories is very extreme. There's a reason dry fasting is three times faster and three times stronger than water fasting. At the same time, the ketosis and the shift back is three times more dangerous or three times more extreme to the body. So after a period of very low carbohydrate intake, consuming a large amount of carbs will result in significant insulin spikes. Elevated insulin can influence the immune system by affecting cytokine production and potentially suppressing some immune functions. An abrupt introduction of carbs also requires the body to shift metabolic gears very quickly, which can lead to temporary cellular stress. The metabolic stress of transitioning from ketosis to glycolysis could be enough to trigger viral reactivation in susceptible individuals. It's here that you can try to counter this stress by having something like MCT oil on hand. And if you want to go with a more holistic, natural, natural approach and maybe potentially slightly safer than just jumping into uh, MCT oil, which is a chemical derivative of coconut oil, um, Maybe you just go with coconut oil in this case. A small amount of it with your first caloric meals can be the difference between an abrupt metabolic shift, just boom, to something that is more gradual. That's also why going with overly sweet compote, something that is very, very popular in the refeed, um, honey, or even sweetened coconut water. These are very popular things. They may be dangerous specifically with people suffering from viral reactivation. Healthier individuals won't have much issues. So we have tons of people that are looking to heal obesity or other illnesses that have nothing to do with viral reactivation. They are highly encouraged to go with this carb style refeed because no matter what, it provides the necessary energy after a dry fast. But for the people that are dealing with long COVID and other viral illnesses, post-viral illnesses, you want to choose things like vegetable broth over fruit broth. Of course, carbs are still necessary even for those people to gradually wake up the digestive system. And they are a key component of rebuilding a lot of things after a dry fast. Stem cells require glucose. 30% of your brain require, can only function on glucose, your kidneys, your red blood cells, and your muscle glycogen. So many things need carbs right after a dry fast. So the answer here is to really get the complex carbs in and manage them with the correct supplements and even have medication on hand for some quick backup when you need it. Liver, organ, and fat cell toxicity stress. So the body accumulates various toxins over time from the environment, your food, your water, and byproducts of its own metabolism. Certain toxins especially fat-soluble ones, get stored in our fat. I'm sure you've heard about this. 
with the release of these stored toxins from fat cells, the liver, which is one of our primary detoxification organs, gets burdened with an increased load to process and excrete these substances. And this can lead to oxidative stress within the liver. Toxins and increased oxidative stress can weaken the immune system, once again creating an environment perfect for viral reactivation. This is usually a worry when breaking the fast when the immune system is rebuilding and autophagy is downregulated. So during a fast, we don't really have to worry too much about viral reactivation, but there's still a stress on the body called a detox stress from your fat cells that needs to be taken into consideration. What's one of the main solutions? It's called gradual fasting, and you'll instantly realize why you're not advised to dive deep on your first fasts. I've seen so many people just try to jump to seven and nine heroic level dry fasts right off the bat and then wonder why they get destroyed afterwards. So instead of diving into prolonged fasts immediately, one should gradually increase fasting durations over time, allowing the body to adapt and potentially release toxins at a slower, more manageable rate. So on a fast, your main goal is to make sure you're activating lymphatic drainage through gentle movement. You've got lymph all over your body. I'm a fan of sometimes doing moderate exercise, just shy of strenuous exercise deeper into the fast to really get the lymph system moving. Of course, this is time and health specific, so it varies from individual to individual. But if you are suffering from this because you have been sick for a long time and taken a lot of medication throughout the years, you are highly advised to water fast first while including things like liver flushes. You can find uh, ideas on how to perform the liver flushes on the dryfastingclub.com website. My favorite is using Epsom salts along with a very popular liver flush uh, that has been used by thousands of people, and it includes olive oil and lemon juice. I also really like the idea of hybrid fasting when we are trying to balance liver and fat cell toxicity with aggressive healing. That's a whole other topic talking about hybrid fasting where you start with dry and you really kickstart everything. You ramp it up and then you get to cruise at that high level while water fasting. And uh, you lose a little bit of benefits when you water fast that you would have got from dry, but you get a better detoxification effect and it's a gentler um, gentler clearing of the toxins coming out of the fat cells, especially if you're new to it, highly sick, or have been on medications that have clogged up your organs for a very long time. Sugar and simple carbs stress. So the consumption of high amounts of sugars and simple carbohydrates can have a profound effect on the body's physiological and immune functions. Some research suggests certain viruses can utilize glucose as an energy source. So, high blood sugar could theoretically provide more fuel for active viruses. So on top of causing inflammation and immune stress, high sugars can also promote viral replication. Although I believe that sugars can be a part of a balanced diet, it's a hundred times more important to manage them when it comes to post-viral diseases. 
you have long COVID, if you have Lyme's or any other disease that causes an exacerbation of symptoms when you eat sweets or even simple carbs or even complex carbs, you need to watch out and approach it carefully. Sugars are necessary after a dry fast specifically because it's the easiest macronutrient to digest. And digestion trumps a lot when it comes to refeeding. You really have to think about digestion. Because if you're struggling with digestion, your immune system is redirected to your gut. Cue viral breakout. Back to that prison situation. A strategy for this is to avoid very high sugar foods, focus on complex carbs, and manage it with light exercise like walking after a meal and supplements like berberine, L-lysine, and even certain medications. When I'm talking about this, first thing that comes to mind is actually people who love to jump back into fatty foods, maybe fatty meats, and they question, why can't I do that if I feel the best on meat? The answer is digestion and bile. You need bile to digest those fats and our bile system is asleep. Yes, you can survive and maybe even activate it a bit sooner, but at what cost? It'll be a stressor on the body, a very big one. Food stress. Do not overeat. Overeating equals stressing the immune system. Once again, digestibility is key. Don't eat animal proteins that require bile when your bile system is asleep. We just talked about that. It's a recipe for disaster. Give your body easily digestible whole foods with as little preservatives and chemicals as possible. It becomes a balance. You can't eat too much. You, should, you shouldn't eat too little. Both can be stressors after a dry fast. You also need to remember to stick to meal timings because you also should not be constantly snacking. We are not a snacking species. You want our digestive system to be functioning correctly and that means making sure our MMC, the migratory muscle complex, is activated between meals and you want your pancreas to get a little bit of a break between meals as well. Your pancreas equals your insulin. Your insulin should not be constantly spiking whenever you put food into your body. Okay, and the last stress we're going to talk about is mental stress. Set and setting. I'm sure some of you have heard of that. There's so much to say here, but we know the basics. One, chronic stress can keep the body in a prolonged state of fight or flight governed by the sympathetic nervous system. This persistent arousal can negatively impact the immune function, potentially paving the way for viral reactivation. Of course, during a dry fast, our cortisol levels skyrocket, but our body activates a ton of mechanisms that are able to balance it all out. It's really chronic cortisol outside of a dry fast that we really have to worry about. We also have ketosis and autophagy, running at such high levels that the system is kept clean and safe even with a depressed immune system during a dry fast remember that safe zone that you're in think of things like super activated autophagosomes lysosomes and a lot of other immune system acidic driven uh, protections for the body and here's a little tidbit studies have connected stress to the appearance of symptoms from various viruses, including cold viruses, hepatitis B, and influenza. 
So look at that. This is on top of herpes viruses, Epstein-Barr virus, megalocytal virus, um, varicella zoster is another one. We're starting to see a trend here, and I hope you're seeing it too. Um, so the herpes family of family of viruses, which includes simplex, Epstein-Barr, and varicella zoster, is especially known for reactivating during periods of stress. Stress-induced changes in the immune system can allow these viruses, which remain dormant in the body, to reactivate and manifest clinically. Extrapolating from these known facts, we can assume that there may be other forms of viruses and bacteria that can remain hidden and reactivated during these periods of increased stress. Why not long COVID reactivation? Why not other ones that we just don't know about? Especially in severe sufferers that have had the virus penetrate so much more deeper into our nervous systems. What can you do for mental stress? Well, you can engage in regular relaxation practices like meditation, deep breathing, uh, deep breathing exercises, yoga. All of these help to manage and reduce stress. And you hear about people in the Limes or long COVID community saying that time healed me, lots of meditation, uh, lots of breathing exercises. So you can see that they were able to basically tone down their stress and we are pretty, it's pretty obvious at this point that stress causes a lot of problems and will slow down healing. Another thing is you can make sure you're getting adequate sleep, probably the most important thing, maintaining a balanced diet, staying hydrated, and getting regular exercise. Yes, I know that exercise usually won't work in chronic fatigue syndrome uh, and long COVID scenarios, but with the correct strategy of dry fasting and pacing, you can start training your body to accept bigger and bigger exercise loads. This is tricky and needs to be done very carefully and precisely. I know you've heard of people saying that pacing was necessary or you go to a clinic that tries to put you on a rebuilding uh, protocol where you are supposed to pace upwards in exercise tolerance. There's a reason this works, but unfortunately, they have a sort of cookie cutter approach that doesn't work for most people, but they do see improvements in some, probably people who are less uh, damaged and have lower viral loads, but still, this is a component of healing. And that's why you can harness dry fasting along with the right way to exercise to get back your health. You'll also want to limit stimulants and depressants. Notice how a lot of people need to give up caffeine and alcohol. There's a correlation here. Nicotine is a bit of a different beast and can be strategically used at the right times. It's tough because there's things like the nicotine protocol that might help you a little bit, but I have experimented with it and with other people, and there is a specific way you should be doing it with dry fasting and not right in the beginning because it can actually make you worse. Also, the same goes for psilocybin mushrooms, so magic mushrooms. But that's a whole other story. Uh, maybe if we get to know each other for a longer time and I help you get to a good level uh, of health, we can kind of push through those last parts with some pretty out there theory crafting and experiments. Don't forget that your magnesium levels are also depleted as well as vitamin C. When you end exit a very long fast, think of it as almost catching scurvy. That's how much you need your vitamin C. 
These will cause a mental depression upon breaking the fast, together with the transition from ketosis to the Krebs cycle. So mix those two and you have a perfect storm for a huge mental breakdown. And this is actually very common. So many people push too far, end it abruptly and incorrectly, and then they break down and have constant fights with their family members, their spouses. And then they come to me and tell me that their, their life is ruined. Don't be like that. Final notes. All right, you've listened through the whole thing. I truly believe that the refeed is the critical time to manage the stressors and not let them win. When it comes to a lot of severe illnesses that I see people dealing with, a lot of it has to do with viral reactivation. However, the answer is not completely eliminating stress from your life. The goal in all of my protocols and my healing journey is to pace your way into higher and higher stress with controlled burns. You need to expose the nervous system to this stress and strengthen it. Sort of like two steps forward and sometimes one step back. And you can't panic when you have to take the steps back. So I stress this if I do consult or coach you. So if you are serious about dry fasting and you will meticulously track your, da your data, reach out to me to partner up on your healing journey. We can build a relationship and we can push uh, week by week and optimize everything. However, I can't take on everybody that messages me. And it really, if you're not serious about this, I don't unfortunately have time for you. You'll be on your own and you'll have to do your research and pace it at your own time. But if you do it correctly, you will heal substantially. So what I'm trying to say is don't panic, even if you do it incorrectly, even if you move backwards and you think you're having a relapse and you ruined everything, don't panic. I do my best to arm you with the right questions and informations with articles like this. So read more. Buy the Filinov 20 Questions and Answers book as well. You have to be your strongest advocate. I hope that this article, this discussion has been a bit of a light bulb moment for you. But it, in the end, it's up to you to do your homework and constantly improve. Good luck on your dry fasting journey. And that's it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it and got some good information out of it. If you know anyone that this information could benefit, please share it. If you have any questions, you can leave them as comments under the website article at dryfastingclub.com. Don't forget to join the Discord group, and if you're interested in diving a little deeper, feel free to schedule a chat with me. I have many small hacks and experiments that have not made it into the articles yet, but may be suitable for your situation on a case-by-case -case basis. Thank you for listening. Until next time, good luck on your dry fasting journey.